In the time you've listened to this, George Valera has probably hit another home run and thrown his bat about 30 feet like a javelin. That's how you say it, javelin, right? I don't know if that's I the believe so. Right. <laughs> uh, that's I'm Justin. Yeah, that's, I'm going to say javelin. Well, you better get used to that. I don't, I don't know if Susquehanna's got a, a javelin team but, <laughs> or an event, but you might want to get used to that. Um, I'm Justin Latta. This is the Guardians of the Future podcast. We do have a new name. If you haven't been aware, we've been calling ourselves that for the last couple of weeks now that the name change is official. Uh, and Caleb Phillips, who is nice enough to take time out of his busy schedule to join me now that he has uh, left us high and dry. No, I'm kidding. Caleb <laughs> uh, has, has uh, perfectly gone on to a, a better opportunity or a, a full-time opportunity that he well deserves after his work at IBI. And um, Caleb, thanks for coming back on and doing at least one more podcast with me and uh, congratulations officially on your new gig. Appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, got to come back on at least one more time and, you know, do the podcast. Definitely something I enjoyed a lot this summer and, and, uh, you know, want to give you guys my time at least once more. Yeah, definitely appreciate that. Did a lot of good work this year and only right to have you on one more time before we send you off into the quote unquote real world, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Geez, where should we start? It's been not a lot has gone on in Akron, I guess, since you've left. It's been, you know, Cody Morris got promoted from Akron to AAA after five starts. Um, new pitchers have joined the team. Mm-hmm. The big, I guess the bigger news today, not really big news, but it's interesting. Uh, Andrew Monasterio uh, promoted from Akron to Columbus. He's had quite the interesting year. Yeah. Uh, not really a guy that was on my radar. I thought he could be a utility type player, but um, he's had a much better year than I anticipated. What did you see from Andrew Monasterio this year? What did you hear about him? Yeah. I mean, nothing when I was there, he really wasn't, wasn't doing anything special and he was relegated to a pretty minimal role, but with all these injuries in the infield, he's, he's just stepped up and, and, and taken full advantage of the opportunity. I mean, the last 30 days, he's got no PS over 900. So you know, that's one way to get yourself promoted. And, you know, the first thing I thought of when I saw he was promoted actually was, well, that, Tyler Freeman would have definitely been in AAA like a lot of people were clamoring for. So um, missed opportunity there for, for Freeman. But, you know, great job from Monastery. I mean, he's, he's solid glove. I think the most interesting about him was, was his personality. Really fun guy. Um, always talking to anybody on the field, whether it's his teammate or or the third base coach. There's a couple times where he would make fun of the, uh, or not make fun of, but poke fun at the third base coach with their signs and copy him and, and ask him <laughs> what the signs were or something like that. So he's a he's a bit of a clown, but yeah, good guy and, and definitely uh, deserves the promotion after his last month of play. Yeah, I'll be curious to see where he plays in Columbus because I know he can play all over, but with I guess with Andres Jimenez back in in Cleveland, there's some open playing time in the infield up there, but. Um... Andrew Monasterio, by the way, spelled A-N-D-R-U-W from Venezuela, is named, his name is after Andrew Jones. That's how Andrew Jones spelled his name. Um, he was named after Andrew Jones or spelled like that because of Andrew Jones. Wow, interesting. Was apparently, yeah, I think that was uh, his parents, one of his parents' favorite players growing up. So, yeah, I don't know where he's going to play, but definitely has had a, a year worthy of of moving up after not really a strong 2019, but definitely could be a guy you could see fill a utility role in the future. He's got enough bad. And I think he plays second, short and third, you know, well enough to, to fill in any of those positions on any given night. Just, you know, if someone needs a night off, not really, I don't know. Where, where do you think his best defensive position is at this point? I'm not really sure. I know. Yeah. I mean, maybe third, it's tough to say. I don't know if second base, his very profile is best. He has a pretty strong arm. I mean, he never really made a lot of errors or anything like that. Um, nothing really stuck out to me. I, I would guess his third moving forward just because shortstop is extremely clogged. I think third is probably where he's going to see the most time. Maybe that's not his best, but that would be my guess moving forward. Well, maybe, maybe Columbus will have innings for him at third base if they promote – Nolan Jones, because right now yeah. Columbus's infield is Gabriel Arias, Nolan Jones, Tyler Krieger, Andrew Monasterio, 
Uh, they list Richie Palacios as an infielder, although he's played second base or um, center field. And they have Trenton Brooks as an outfielder who's played first base. Um, Connor Maribel played first base in the spring. I don't think he's played first base at all uh, in the regular season. So, yeah, their infield, I guess, has opportunities. But it makes me kind of wonder, is Monasterio there? Because maybe they're considering bringing Nolan Jones. But I guess Daniel Johnson just got promoted back to Cleveland today. So maybe that had something to do with it, too. But yeah, makes me kind of wonder, if anything. Yeah. I think, too, you know, that's someone that you're probably not too worried about playing every day. I mean, you're encouraged by his last month, you know, two months of, of play. But, you know, it's not someone you're 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 too pressed to play. It's not like Freeman where you got to play Freeman five out of the six games. You know, Monster, maybe you can play three or four and not feel like you're uh, you're hurting him too much or missing out on a lot. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens to him in Columbus. Uh, Stephen Kwan. Six home runs this year. He came into this season with just uh, three career home runs. He is having some kind of year, and now I'm starting to think. I don't. I don't know what space they're going to wind up having on the 40 man roster, but I'm not sure I would be willing to to take the chance and letting him enter the or you know be part of the Rule Five draft because I don't think you'd get him back. I think he'd go. Yeah, he's he's been phenomenal really all year. Um, obviously missed a huge chunk, got injured I think in the fourth game was my first game. So I didn't get to see him a bunch, but I got to see him a little bit at the end of my my Akron stint. And he uh he's just he's just a really good player. He's one of those players that obviously comes from winning culture at Oregon State and I think just brings that winning winning mentality to his team. And uh yeah, and I, I think I talked about this a little bit on on uh, Locked On Indians, which I which I am a part of now as well. And he's just done a really good job of getting to his poll side this year. I mean, it's up 6% from 2019, and, and you can see a dip in the other percentages. But all of his home runs, he's just been able to pull the ball a lot more this year and, and drive the ball to right field, right center field gap. So the power may not be, you know, over or, you know, not very strong, but he's doing a good job of, of accessing the little power he does have um, on his poll side. Yeah, I did get the chance to talk to him a few weeks ago about that, and he had said that one of the hitting coaches and he had gone over. I think who's the hitting coach in Akron again? I know you. Uh, talked Junior Batances. Yeah, yeah, he was he was saying Junior Batances had encouraged him to look for pitches on the inner half that he could pull, mm-hmm. and you know had told him you know you're stronger than you think, and it, yeah, it's really worked. I mean, you could see the way he's pu- pulling his hands in and hitting the inside pitch and driving it, and he's also got what a bunch of doubles I think this year in limited time. Ten yeah, he's got a lot of extra base hits. <laughs> he's been driving the ball all over the field, which is, I mean, and for power too. Like he's still, he's still hitting the ball the other way, but he's when he's pulling, he's been he's been pulling with a lot more power than than I think we've seen ever from him. So that's that's really encouraging. Yeah, it's a very mature approach. You know, a lot of guys it takes them a while to learn what pitches they can drive and, and when to seek out that pitch and. Um, you know, he was a really good hitter in college and now he's kind of learning that and continues to hit the ball the other way. Doesn't strike out a lot, still walking a decent amount and obviously a good center fielder. So he's someone I would add to the 40 man roster because, um, who, who knows what the outfield's going to look like next year. But I know somebody asked me the other day, would you protect Quan or Benson? And I, I think if I had to pick one of the two, I'd pick Quan over Benson right now. Yeah, I would probably agree at this point. Um, Quan's, you know, I, I, for me, I think it'd just be the, the the time that Benson's had, you know. Obviously, he's been encouraging this year. He's done a lot of good things. Um, but Quan's profile just looks a lot more sustainable, especially in the at the major league level. Yeah, and, and fairly soon. I mean, that's going to translate to the major league level a lot faster than whenever. If Will Benson does finally make it to the big leagues, it's going to take him a while to to settle in, but Quan, mm-hmm. I think his skills are going to translate a lot faster. Uh, Brian Rocchio and Brian Lavastida, man, are they settling well in at Akron? Rocchio hit his twelfth uh, home run of the year the other night. Brian Lavastida is just a hitting machine down there. It's amazing how those two just have not skipped a beat since they've gotten to Akron. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I they literally got promoted right when I had to stop going, so I didn't really get to see him. But I mean, Rokio is is electric, and, and Lavastida has obviously been been a stud for them as well. So that's just really great to see. Especially, I mean, if if you haven't been paying attention, Akron's 
the best team in the AA Northeast right now. So they're they're playing for something here at the end of the season. So a lot of promotions, but you know they've been able to get some reinforcements. Obviously in the pitching staff, um, a lot of reinforcements. But Rokio and Mavistita coming up and being able to plug in the middle of the order in terms of their team success has has been really important. Yeah, we'll talk about the playoffs for Akron a little bit. I don't know how much more reinforcements they'll get from Lake County. Lake County's in the playoff race um, of their own as well. They already got um, – oh, geez, Cal, I'm watching the Indians game, and Cal Quantrill just took a line drop off his right wrist. That is uh, oh dear. not good. Uh, so speaking of Cody Morris, if Cal <laughs> Quantrill goes down, if he can't pitch, uh, it looks like he's staying in maybe. No, he's yeah, – I think he's okay. Anyway, Cody Morris, four no-hit innings at Columbus in his second start. Uh, I forget, did you did you get to see Cody Morris just before yeah. you left? Yeah, so I did. <laughs> five starts at Akron, and uh, now he's no you know, throwing no-hit ball in Columbus. I think I think Cody Morris should get a chance to pitch in the majors this year at some point. Oh, I, I would agree. And, and what's crazy is the start I saw him, he, he was – Almost exclusively, I think he might have thrown two changeups. He was fastball, curveball. So in his next start, I wasn't able to watch that one, but Justin was watching. He's like, "Yeah, he's throwing a cutter. He's throwing like a slider." I'm like this guy literally threw two pitches for six innings, like his last start. So he's really, he's really done a great job expanding his repertoire. And and I mean, the velo jump we've been seeing up to ninety eight is is wild. When I saw him, he was only up to ninety six, I believe. So. Yeah, that's it's someone with a really projectable arm at the, at the big league level. And 96 is good for him. I mean, in 2019, he was about 92, 95 with top 96. And, and his issue was he would throw 94, 95 the first like two innings. And then by the fourth inning, he was kind of throwing like 91, 93, 94. Um, I, I don't know if he'll hold the velocity. You know, obviously he was hurt half the year, so we don't know how the velocity is going to hold over a full season, but he's definitely seen a jump and yeah, he's added a cutter slash slider. It's a, it's a cutter when it's up and a slider when it's down, the curveball's good. The fastball's improved. The changeup is, is, is improved and the command is better because he's thrown from that modified stretch. He's got a shorter arm swing. I mean, everything is, he looks like kind of a new pitcher really. And, and he was good in 2019. He wasn't great, but he was good. Uh, he was on a lot of radars, but now he has kind of pushed himself to the forefront uh, of a pitching option for 2022, especially they asked me on the 40-man roster, and he'll be a no-doubt add. I, I do think that they sent Logan Allen back today, Cleveland did, to bring up Daniel Johnson. So Logan Allen uh, came up briefly and never even got a look. They went with Sam Henches in a bullpen game on Saturday, and I, I don't know. That, to me, that kind of says where they're at with Logan Allen. Maybe. Yeah. So I think that's better. Off. You're better off seeing Cody Morris at this point, if they can make a 40 man move to add him. Yeah, no, I would agree. And yeah, I honestly forgot that Logan Allen was, was on the, uh, the Cleveland roster. <laughs> so yeah, that definitely shows where they're at with him this year. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I'd, I'd love to see Cody Morris. I'd like to see what he can do. Um, the only thing that would worry me is they haven't really been stretching him out. So It'd probably be more of a modified bullpen game um, in his first start. He hasn't thrown over – he hasn't thrown five innings since July 21st. So, um, yeah, there looks like they're keeping his pitch count down. And, but it would still be good to see him see what he's got against against some big league uh, some big league batters. Yeah, someone on Twitter – I have to go back and check who asked the question. But somebody did ask um, a question this week about for the, for the podcast why – why isn't Cody Morris throwing more than four innings and are they going to stretch him out? I don't know if they're going to stretch him out really. Uh, I think it's just a case of the fact that he missed half the season and they're trying to be yeah. careful and he's had injury issues before. No reason to really rush it. I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I think they're just, they're just being cautious. And well, I think we've talked about between us, you know, you're going to start to see, you know, guys towards the end of the season, either get shut down or, or get limited in terms of their play. So, you know, that's going to happen for some guys, especially someone like Morris who missed half the season and then obviously, you know, didn't pitch in 2020. Yeah, so even if he comes up, it might be a short stint, but still it would be good for him and, and good to see him. Um, I don't know if you saw this today. Baseball America's farm system rankings came out. Cleveland's 18th. I forget what they were 
preseason for them. I, I know it was higher than 18. I forget where they were. Van Graffs has them at six. So that's a that's a big disparity. And I had we had some questions about um why with Cle- why why this is happening and what's with the disparity. And I would say it depends on who who's doing the evaluating. I think Baseball America's comment was they have a lot of solid prospects, like a lot of guys who have solid floors, but they lack kind of high end talent. And that's that stands out to them. However, if you look at fan graphs, the way they rank it, so Cleveland's got no no prospects that are sixty future value, which is sixty is a plus prospect. So you're talking like a occasional all star, like a, like one of the better players in the league. No, it's very rare for anybody to be to have a, a seventy or eighty future value, but um, a sixty is about as good as it gets. You're talking like Spencer Torkelson, who is Detroit's top prospect who just got promoted to AAA. Um, so Van Graffs doesn't have any 60s for Cleveland, but they have five 50s. Um, I'm sorry, six 50s, 145 plus, nine 45s, and they have 10 40s, or I'm sorry, 10 40 pluses, and uh, 14 40s. So anywhere from 40 to 50, anywhere to 40 to 50, they have about 40 prospects. Um, and that's that's their depth. So they have a lot of guys that have a very solid floor, but maybe don't have the highest ceiling. Right. And, right. and that's to me, that's what it says about fan graphs and how they value it versus Baseball America. Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting point you make about, you know, the, the ceiling opposed to the floor. I think, you know, even someone like Tyler Freeman, his ceiling probably isn't, you know, as high as people may expect being as highly ranked as he is. His floor is very high. He should be a very good player in the major leagues. But he, he may not be, you know, a Jose Ramirez type. He's not he's probably never going to get to that level of play. So I think there's just a lot of guys like that in the Indian system that have a high floor. You know, they're very projectable, but they may not be, you know, the star player that can carry an offense. Yeah, and if you have five or six of those guys in your roster any given time, that still makes you a, a well-rounded team, even if you don't have a, a 60 or a higher prospect. And who knows? That's, that's how they're evaluated now. Right. You know, some some of these guys, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if George Valera jumps to a 60 at some point. I know the hit tool maybe is not as good as people thought it would be in terms of batting average or contact. But, <clears throat> I mean, I have him at 55. That's what we have at IBI. Is, he's a 55 overall prospect, which is not that far from a 60. But that's just one of those things where – um, everyone kind of evaluates differently. Everyone has different things that go into their rankings and, you know, having a bunch of fifties and 45s is not a bad thing. It just means, like you said, you might not have any of those guys who are all-stars or can carry a team, but if you have a bunch of forties and fifties, you might be a pretty competitive team. Um, yeah, absolutely. Quincy Wheeler, his question was with the system to be uh, seen to be falling in the recent prospect rankings, how concern, concerned should fans be? Should it temper expectations as we see players like Valera, Rocchio, and Lavastida break out, or just another example of Cleveland versus the world? I don't. I don't think you should temper your expectations for those guys. Honestly, they're they're having great years. And remember, all these guys didn't play last year, and they're uh, what Valera's twenty, Rocchio's twenty, Lavastida is twenty one, and he's a catcher, and he's jumped two levels this year, and uh, he wasn't even a catcher until like his last week of college, so. Yeah, all these guys doing this stuff with after a year off and at their age and they're part of their development. I think there's no reason you should be concerned. I think it's like like I just said, it, it depends on how the sauce is made. That's that's the only thing I can really say. I agree. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you said, uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cody Morris, as we mentioned, four no hit innings um, for Columbus last Sunday. We talked about if he should get a shot or not. We think so. Um, Nolan Jones, I, I brought this up on Twitter last week cause I saw him in the lineup a bunch of days at third base. He's not, I mean, he's played third base twice as much as he's played the outfield. He's played one game at first base. So I guess first base is kind of out for him right now. I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding why Nolan Jones is not playing more outfield because, you know, Cleveland keeps saying the payroll is going to go up next year. If that's going to be true, that that means they're not going to get rid of Jose Ramirez. Not that he's going to make a ton of money anyway, but if your payroll is going to go up next year, 
that means you're picking up Jose Ramirez's option because you don't have a whole lot of long-term, you don't have any long-term payroll commitments. You could decline Roberto Perez's option and, and decline Jose's if you wanted and have zero payroll commitments. Um, so that to me says they're keeping Ramirez and Nolan Jones should be on this team at some point next year. So I, it's very strange to me that Nolan Jones has not played more outfield this year. And I don't know if there's room to play in this year, but I, as long as Jose Ramirez is here, I just don't see why you wouldn't move him off their base for the time being. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree completely. It is very, very confusing. And we've talked about his struggles in the alpha defensively and, and that being why he, he shouldn't be brought up, you know, at different points in the season, but now, you know, he's not even playing the outfield. So that is, that is very concerning because it just doesn't seem like they have a direction for him in the major leagues. You know, he's got the, the best player in the Indians offense ahead of him at the position he's been playing the most at. So it is puzzling and, and, you know, I don't know if that's something that'll be addressed in the off season. Maybe that's, that'll be his main focus in the off season. And, and by spring training, he'll be, you know, adequate enough in the outfield. But yeah, at this point it is very puzzling and, Maybe he'll get a couple more starts here and there to end the season, but it really doesn't look like they, they plan to bring him up this year. No, and and they've really yo-yoed Daniel Johnson pretty badly with Straw and Zimmer and Mercado and, and Harold Ramirez, who's out right now, but there's just no room to play him, and you're not going to play Nolan Jones at third base with Jose Ramirez around. So there's no room, and I just – I don't know. It, it's a very strange thing. People keep saying – Maybe they're going to trade Jose, and I, I again, I just don't, I don't think that makes sense. If you're talking about payroll going up next year and you want to be competitive next year, trading Jose Ramirez does not do this team any good, not for the team and not for the fan base. And that no sign to me says points to a Jose Ramirez trade, but then that doesn't really answer any questions about Nolan Jones's future. So, right, one of the things I just can't understand. Yeah, agreed. Uh, international social housing Seattle BB on Twitter asked Richard Palacios, what's the ceiling? Do I like him way too much? Well, Caleb, you saw a lot of him. You talked to him. What do you think Richie Palacios ceiling is? And does this guy like him too much? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what, <laughs> what he believes his ceiling <laughs> is, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think he could be an everyday player at, you know, left or second base. Um, I think it has to be the right situation. Um, Obviously, the walk rate is very encouraging. I think that would be what could keep him in the lineup. Obviously, we've seen the hit tool. It's very strong. Um, and, and we've seen, you know, he, he hits the gaps. He, it's not like the pop isn't anything, you know, crazy, but he drives the gaps often. And, and that's why he's got, you know, he's top 10 doubles in the in the entire minor leagues. So, you know, I, I really think he could be a star at the major level. Is he going to be like a, a leadoff hitter? top three player on your lineup, not on a good team. I don't think so. Um, but definitely a piece that I think could, could, uh, you know, help a team like the Indians here moving forward in a couple of years, maybe. Yeah. I, I think his ceiling, I think if everything, if everything pans out the way he has with his talent and he kind of reaches his peak, I think he can be a leadoff type hitter with the, his ability to get on base and make contact. He's a good runner. Um, I think he can handle center. I know left field for his arm is probably better. Um, but maybe he's a guy you can play at second left and center and have some versatility and be at the top or the bottom of the lineup as a guy who can get on base. I, I, I agree with you. I think he can play every day depending on what the situation is around him. But every, everything still with him has to be impressive because like we've talked about so many times, I know you and Jeff have talked about it. Um, on lockdown about just, you know, he missed most of 2019. He obviously missed yeah. all of 2020 and now he went right to Akron and now he's in Columbus and he's still doing really well. So I think there's still a lot of room for growth with him just because of all that time missed and his age and how aggressively they've pushed him. I think there's still some room for growth there. Um, yeah. I think, I think a, a good ceiling comp for him could be like a Ben Zobris type, someone who played, second base and played the corners um, of the outfield and was a guy who had a high on base, you know, not a lot of power, but a good hitter. And uh, obviously Indians fans will remember him for the rest of their lives. Um, <laughs> I won't mention why. If you don't know yeah. them, don't figure it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't think about it. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I think that could be a ceiling for Richard Palacios. I think that would be a uh, a good comp there. Yeah, he was a good player. and Yeah, I think Richie can play too. Uh, David Rawlings, predict that Arias and Jimenez will be next year's shortstop and second base combo. What are your thoughts on the middle infield future? How do the Indians view outfield prospects? Alex Call, Oscar Gonzalez, Will Benson, George Valero, will any of them get a legit big league chance? Uh, ooh, I... Yeah, I'm going to say Arias at shortstop and Jimenez at second. I don't think Arias will be the shortstop uh, day one, but I think that'll be the long-term middle infield combo next mm-hmm. year. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I definitely could see. Yeah, Arias is so young too, but obviously we've seen what he can do at AAA. He's a good player, you know. Still so, so young. So, you know, I don't think they're going to push him until they feel like they have to. You know, as much as Rosario, Elman Rosario is – it's frustrating defensively, you know, his bat has been solid enough to keep him there. Um, but, you know, if the Indians are competing next year, that's that's a glove that I think they want to move out of that position. So, yeah, I mean, I would be I'd be very interested to see Arias uh, in the middle infield next year. That would be that'd be an interesting pairing with him and Jimenez. What do you think about how the organization might view guys like Alex Call, Oscar Gonzalez, Benson and Valera? I think it's pretty obvious how they view Valera, but the other guys are a bit yeah. more of a question. Yeah, I think, I mean, Claw, we've talked about all year as a guy that we could see being in another place next year. Um, even with how good he's been this year, and he hasn't been as good in AAA as I think he's been in AA, but still been a good player all year. And, and you know, 15, 15 home runs, 15 stolen base guy, almost a 2020 guy, you know, that's someone that, could find success, um, you know, at the major league level, but just with the Indians' forty-man situation and and you know the kind of glut of outfielders they already have in the majors right now, I think it's tough for him to really be in the majors anytime soon. You know, Gonzalez, we've seen what he can do um, in terms of ceiling. I feel like, um, like I don't think he'll ever hit these numbers in the major leagues that he had in, in Akron this year. But the power is legitimate. It's just his defense; it's a huge question. So. And Benson, obviously, we just just he's just not consistent enough. So those three guys, I mean, you know, if everything pans out uh, in the best way possible for each of them, I think they could all be successful major league players, um, maybe in different roles and different levels of success. But you know, I think there's a scenario for sure where we really never see any of those three guys in a Cleveland Indian outfield. Yeah, I, I agree with you on there. I think I think Paul is going to get a chance somewhere else. I don't think it'll be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's done well enough for himself that he is going to be a, a fourth outfield type option. I just don't think there's room for him here given his age. And, and I know, I know everyone's going to say, well, the outfield stinks here. It does, but you've got mild straw. You've got a bunch mm-hmm. of other guys. You've got a C and then Valera's coming. And then we talked about Steven Kwan and Will Benson. I think all those guys put themselves in a position to at least be seen before a guy like call and maybe even Oscar Gonzalez. I agree with you on Gonzalez. I, I know I haven't been the biggest fan of his, but um, as far as what his future could look like, but I think he'll get another chance somewhere else too. Um, at some point, I just don't think it'll be here. If, if I had to bet on any of those two, I would say Benson and Valera um, out of that group. Yeah. I, I think the other issue too, just kind of, you know, people all oh, calls putting up these numbers. Well, call comes up to the majors, even Gonzalez, they're not going to put up the numbers they're putting in double A and triple A. They're going to come up and they're going to, they're probably going to struggle a lot like Mercado and, and Zimmer had early on. You know, they're good. They're going to hit a buck 50 to start for probably their first month. And they're not, you know, you know, maybe Gonzalez, you see a pa- uh, more of the power early on, but they're, they're going to struggle. They're not going to hit 300. They're not going to slug 500 right away, you know? So it's like, it's not like they're going to come up and just automatically be better than those guys. I mean, maybe they will, but it's more than more likely than not they would struggle just as much as the guys have been struggling at the big league level this year. Yeah, I mean, Owen Miller was having a great month of April, or I'm sorry, May in, in Columbus, and he got mm-hmm. off to a rough start. So that just tells you how big the jump is, considering how well he was hitting. Here's the question I referenced earlier. Earlier was Ben Nelson who asked about. Cody Morris being stretched out. Um, he did ask if it would be possible to see Cody Morris because Cleveland has three double headers and then, and then in nine days in September, that would, that would be probably at the time it would happen. If I had to guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that would be. I would agree. That's a that's a tough stretch, and it seems like they have more options than they did. You know, maybe by then uh, they'll be a uh, either a Savali or Bieber sighting. Um, I mean, maybe both those guys will be shut down. We'll see, but yeah, I think that would be the time to see see a guy like Morris um, from AAA. Especially if he's only going to be stretched out to four innings still at that point. Right. A seven-inning game, that's more doable. Actually, yeah, that's half the game. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. So you can get away with throwing him for four innings at that point yeah. and not have to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, I know you didn't get a chance to see Peyton Battenfield and Connor Pilkington in Akron before you had to go, but um, those two are off to really good starts. Not surprised at all. I watched some bat- uh, Battenfield start Saturday, and um, I love the fastball-curveball combo, and I love the cutter gives him the ability to throw to the outside corner because he has that high arm slot. And oftentimes those guys have a hard time locating um, inside and outside just because of, of how that, all that stuff goes and spins the cutter really gives him a chance to do that. So I really have enjoyed watching him pitch. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about Juan Hillman because he's a guy we don't mention a ton in, on the yeah. podcast or really on the site at all. He's really kind of fallen. He was a, a second round pick in 2015. He was drafted the same year as Tristan McKenzie and you know, their best buds. And um, he's having a really good year. I don't, I don't know how much of his, his uh, arsenal, what he does is going to translate to the major league level, but he's having the best season of his career. He's doing it in double a, he's got 10 wins as for as much as pitcher wins go. Um, but he has been ahead of solid year. I think someone else might give him a chance. He's a minor league free agent at the end of the year maybe a pitching star of team gives him a shot, but um, you watched him a lot this year. What, what are your thoughts on yeah. him? I just thought we should show him some love for the year he's having, even though he's not really a top prospect at this point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all credit to Juan. I mean, he's, he's a really good guy really and has had a lot of success this year. It's just the stuff is it, and like you mentioned, it's just something that it, it's really hard to envision it playing in the major leagues. I mean, a, a good comparison for kind of stuff, I guess, maybe it would be Dallas Keuchel type, you know, and, and not to the level of success that Keuchel's had, obviously. But it's just, you know, fastball topping around 91, 92. It's not like he has like a, a cutter. He's, he's really, you know, it's really standard. It's just a low-velocity fastball, slider, changeup, curveball. And, and he uses them well, and it's successful in double-A. Um, I think the wing count is a little misleading, as as wins can be. I mean – Second in wins is Skyler Arias with seven, um, and he's got a four and a half ERA in twenty-seven games. So, you know, wins can be very sub- subjective. So, you know, I, it's just yeah, like I said, it's just tough to see him, you know, really being any any better than a five starter in the best scenario for him moving forward. Well, probably so, but at least he's having a good year, and I, I think he's like I said, I think he's Absolutely, at least put yeah. himself in position to have another team take a chance on him given his, his pedigree and um, you know, he's been a solid arm and maybe another team thinks that they can get something out of him because they're lacking pitching. And, and he's really, like you, I, I saw you say this on Twitter, you know, he's really led that pitching staff down there that had a lot of injuries early on and yeah, um, a lot of movement. So credit to him for kind of stabilizing that rotation. Um, I mentioned this in the notes too, that I feel like this rotation has been insane this year. Cause you started out with, what Thomas yeah. Ponticelli and, and Shane McCarthy and yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think who else was in that rotation to start the year. And, and now Tully got, was there, yeah, yeah. And Tully, who uh, else? And, uh, who else? Started Eli there? Lingos, who was who was hitting the in the face, and we haven't seen him since. Um, yeah, that was like their main the main group to start the season. And, and then now, I think royalty yeah. and Mock were that other that other spot. That's right. Royalty was there, and royalty's hurt again. Mock's been hurt, and now Akron's got Battenfield and Pink Pilkington. They still have Hillman. Yeah. They had Cody Morris for like a week or two weeks, and then they have Adam Scott back, and they haven't had Joey Cantillo all year. Like I, that rotation has just been so wild all year. Yeah, it's crazy. All of a sudden, now it's like you know, there's a guy you want to see every night, even if it's Hillman. You're like, well, he's been great all year. Even Tully. I mean. Talking about giving guys some love, Tully's got a two seven one now in seventy three innings pitch um, for for Akron, and that's muddied a little bit in his overall numbers because of his rough Columbus stints. But uh, yeah, he's been excellent over the last two months, and 
yeah, of course, those guys have turned it on right as they've gotten in reinforces. Thomas Ponticelli, who I thought was the best out of the three pitchers I've just mentioned, is has been a bullpen arm now. So it's it's really crazy how it looked like they just had no starting depth at all, and now they have one of the deeper staffs probably in Double A. Yeah, and it's a shame we haven't seen Joey Cantillo all year at this point. I don't suspect we will. Yeah, um, they did get Adam Scott back, and he's been really good. I mean his his first start back in July, I think he pitched one game in July, and or he pitched a couple games in July actually, and he wasn't very good in July. But since August, he has only allowed uh, four runs in 14 innings uh, with 18 strikeouts. So he's been much better now that he's settling back in. I think I just go back and look at the video, but I think, you know what they did to Morris where they shortened his arm circle. He did I the same with they, Scott. Yeah. It looks like, like that. He had a shorter arm slot as well. Yeah. I saw him once. Um, that was actually the last game I did. I saw Adam pitch and he, uh, he was, he was good in that start. Um, he went five scoreless as well the day after Morris went five scoreless. So, um, yeah, he talked to me. Of course, an oblique injury. I guess that's just something that's happening all over baseball, especially in, in the Cleveland system. Um, but he he he's looked solid, and he's someone that projects a little more than like a Juan Hillman, but he's, he's that kind of type of pitcher, more contact-oriented um, than, than getting a swing and miss. Yeah, he's also eligible for the 40-man this year, and I don't know what they're going to – I don't think they'll protect him, but yeah, um, could be a guy that gets picked because he's left-handed, throws strikes, he has some interesting stuff, and, mm-hmm. you know, just not a lot of room. Right. Anything else in Akron you think we should bring up before we move on? <sighs> no, I think we hit just about everything. <laughs> I mean, obviously I haven't been able to go out there and see, so I've, I've been keeping up as much as I can, but it looks like we got – just about uh, everything. Yeah. Well, you have Bo Naylor. I said, I mean, yeah, Bo's obviously struggled all year, but I don't know if there's really any any sort of an improvement, uh, maybe from the beginning of the season, but I would just chalk this year up to, you know, as we've talked about so many times now, um, just being super young for the double-A level. Yeah, his power has been good in the second half. He has, I think, what, eight home runs now, and I want to say seven yeah, of them have been – in the second half, nine. Yeah, yeah, nine. Yeah, I want to say eight in the, are in the second half. So his powers come on. Everything else has just been kind of iffy. So you said that Akron has the best record in uh, their division. Yeah. I think they're they're going to make the playoffs. I think that's a guarantee at this point. Yeah. So so it's close. So what they'll have to do the format this year is top two records. There's two divisions: the Northeast. There's a double A Northeast Northeast division and the double A Northeast Southwest division. Um, <laughs> and they'll take the top two records regardless of division. So right now they have a, uh, a two and a half game lead on both Bowie and Portland for the best record. And then Somerset's right behind Portland uh, and a half game. So they have a little bit of cushion now, but it's going to be, it's going to be a fun, fun little stretch. They play Somerset in two weeks. So that'll be a really fun series uh, and, and a lot of meaningful baseball played for the for the boys in Akron uh, at the end of the summer. The funny thing about that is they're ahead of Bowie, and I think Bowie was the team that gave them so much trouble early in the season. Yeah, it was, was Erie, it? too. I, they played yeah. Bowie well, actually. It was Erie that gave them a lot of trouble, and they played Erie okay. better last time around. And now Erie just sent – Erie and Bowie just sent up their entire systems it felt, or their entire like teams up to AAA, it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so let's get down to Lake County for a little bit. Uh, George Valer remains good, as we talked about. He's got seven home runs the month of August. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah, he's got 11 hits in August, and seven of them are home runs. And he's got 14 walks and 15 strikeouts in a uh, 1283 OPS. I don't know. I'm going to have to look at the standings real quick for, for Lake County, where they're at. They're in the uh, high A East. That's what I'm thinking. No, they're in the high A central. Um, they are currently uh, tied with Dayton for the best record in their division. I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm going to assume that the playoffs are going to be the same everywhere, right? That it's going to be the top two records regardless of division. Yeah, that's all I know is for sure is that's the double A format. Um, that's all I heard just from 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 Marco Lanave and uh, and, you know, 
and what's going on double A. So I'm not sure what it is. I'll have to ask around about that. I'm not sure. So they're they're right now tied with Dayton for the best record in their division. Um, if they take the best two records in that division overall, that or in that league overall, they're a game back of Cedar Rapids. Quad Cities is 59 and 29. Nobody's catching them. Uh, Lake County's 48 and 42, but Cedar Rapids is 49 and 41. So I have to ask about that. Um, my only point about that was if Lake County doesn't make it, I would assume George Valera is going to be an Akron to help them out with the playoffs if they get in. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm thinking. Um, he to me he doesn't look like he's been challenged very much in Lake County the last few weeks. So um, it's time for yeah. him to get a promotion. I mean, seven home runs isn't, isn't a lot. So. <laughs> and 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 uh, in one month, and and seven of your eleven hits are home runs. <laughs> yeah, just I think he can do better. Yeah, sure, he can do better. He's just walking whenever he doesn't. He he really has been a three true outcome guy. Uh, although he's sitting two eighty two, but um, it's been weird. Daniel Spino had uh, one hit allowed last start, five innings. That one hit was a homer. He had eleven strikeouts. The guy is. Really unbelievable. Uh, Jose Tina's having a great month again for Lake County. Uh, I think he's probably just on the outside of the 40-man roster this winter, but um, really making a name for himself. Julian Escobedo, who's an interesting outfielder, one of those uh, smaller college outfield picks that Cleveland has liked recently. He had two walk-off hits this weekend. Um, And Zach Draper. I'm going to similarly talk about Zach Draper the way you talked about Juan Hillman. Zach Draper... (laughs) Probably throws, I don't know, 88 to 90 on a good day. Yeah. Uh, not right. I know you saw him a little bit in Akron, and he's he's back in Lake County. He's 26. Yeah. Um, has has filled a nice role for, for both those teams as far as coming out of the bullpen when he's been asked to, piggybacking, starting. Uh, he pitched five scoreless innings when I saw him last week. And, you know, not a guy who's a prospect, but I wrote – this is what I wrote about him. Um Obviously not going to be a future big leaguer for the most part, I would unless something crazy happens. But to see a guy like that grind his way through the minors and fill a role and you know, do what's asked of him, maybe it's not fair, but I think that could have a good effect on his teammates, you know, seeing a guy who's who's selfless and willing to, you know, fill those different roles to keep pitching and help out other guys in the roster. <clears throat> Excuse me, and and go to different levels just because they have a need. It's probably not the most fun thing, but I hope that rubs off on his teammates, just kind of that blue collar effort he gives. I think that's underrated. I think in the minors sometimes, especially considering how little, little they get paid. Um, Tanner Burns only went two and two thirds innings. He struck out five walk three. His stuff has looked a little bit flat since he's come off the IL. He had an elbow injury. Um, a little bit concerned about that, but you know, he was hurt, but yeah, the stuff has not been as crisp and as, as, as electric as it was early in the year. Uh, Matt Thompson had a question. Uh, one of my cohorts at prospects live asked about what happened to Aaron Bracho. Aaron Bracho is currently on the IL with a thumb injury. One of the more disappointing seasons from anybody in the system. He's, I believe also 40 man eligible this year. Is that right? Um, I'm pretty sure he is. I I thought you and Jeff had just talked about that recently about him. And, um, I I think he was part of the same class as George Valera. So I would imagine he's 40 man eligible and, um, yeah, it has not been good for him this year. And just having a lot of issues with the strikeouts. Yeah. He was signed in. In 2020, why is it not going back that far? Good job, MILB. He was signed in 2016, so yeah, he would be Roll 5 eligible this winter. Okay, yeah. I would not place him on the the 40-man. I don't think anyone's taking him, but I'm not giving up on him. Just It's been an ugly year for him, I will say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it happens, you know. People forget, um, you know, nobody played last year. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely it's for some guys, you know, it might have been hard to adjust. Other guys have have, you know, hit the ground running, but for some guys it's just you know, being out of their their routine you know, for a year to maybe hard to uh to get back into it the way they want yeah, to. He, 
he struck out a lot more than I think anybody thought. He's only 20, so um, no one's going to take him, and Cleveland shouldn't worry about that, and he'll he'll have some more time to develop uh, at age 20 in high A. That's an aggressive assignment, and that's that's one of the reasons I think Cleveland is not ranked as high prospect or system wise in some of those rankings is because guys like that, like, you know, Bracho struggled, but it's been aggressive assignment. Bo Naylor struggled aggressive assignment. Gabriel Rodriguez in Lynchburg, um, 19, not doing very well. It's an aggressive assignment. Same with Alex Replanez. And then we talk about Joey Cantillo being hurt all year. Ethan Hankins, um, Carlos Vargas, you know, you're missing, you have a lot of guys who've been hurt that are big names and you have a lot of guys who are bigger names that um, have not played well. So I think that plays into their ranking as well, that <clears throat> we thought the system would be better, but those things happen. So it's probably why they've fallen real quick. Let's run through um, Lynchburg. You got Kenzie Noel. I, I don't know what else can be said about him at this point. The guy is, has a, a 1200 OPS again through last week. Um, if Lake County makes the playoffs, then, you could see him up in Lake County finally. I know everyone's been talking about promoting him. Yeah. To me, there's no room right now for him. But if they make the playoffs, they're going to want guys to keep playing because Lynchburg is definitely not going to make the playoffs. And if they want him to keep playing, they'll send him to Lake County. He'll get some at-bats in the playoffs there. So that is probably the only way he gets promoted at this point, I would say. The guy is something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Rodriguez, uh, his OPS is over 800 now. Another one of those young outfielders who is taking some time to kind of figure things out. He's shown really well lately. Uh, let's see, Angel Martinez, he had a hot start to the year. He's really slowed down. I think I think I mentioned this before. I think for him, it's just a grind of the regular season. He's 19 years old, and it's his first time in full season. I think those guys just kind of wear down. and um, Nothing to worry about. The talent's still there. I mentioned Alex Replanez. He's got a bunch of home runs over the last week. I think his his OPS or his slugging last week was over 500, but his uh, average was like in the low 200s. So just the guy who's in for a lot of power. And then Josh Wolf is inactive in Lynchburg. Uh, no idea why. I, I'm thinking it's probably to limit innings, but they haven't said anything. So um, he's had kind of a rough year. I guess we'll hopefully find out about that. And last question before we get to uh, our picks of the week for um, players of the week from uh, Cleveland DTR, one of my favorite guys on Twitter talking prospects with, who is the most likely middle infield prospect to move out of the middle infield? That is a tough question. Who who do you think moves from the middle infield to the outfield? We've already seen it with Richie Palacios. Is there is there somebody else you think that moves off their position to go out of the middle infield? Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my cop-out answer. Um <laughs> Since he's already basically doing Carter. that, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a really tough one. I mean, obviously, yeah, there's a lot, and I mean, I'm trying to think through the system. Obviously, we haven't really seen Rokio anywhere but short. We haven't really seen Freeman anywhere um, other than short and second. We've talked about he probably profiles better at second. Yeah, I don't know. I guess my 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 feeling would be, you know, we've talked about how strong Arius. His arm is maybe he ends up moving to third and, uh, you know, you slide Jimenez over to short and then whoever else, if that's Freeman or Rokio, maybe that's the guy that plays second. If, if you know, everybody stays in the system and, and everything goes according to plan, maybe that's maybe that's the move going forward. But, yeah, that, that's a tough one. That would be – I wouldn't put a lot of money on it, but that would be, that would be an educated uh, guess. That is a tough one. I – I'm having a hard time thinking of who it would be. I mean, like you said, Palacios has already played some outfield, but he's also still playing second. Um, yeah. I, I don't think Freeman's a guy who moves off second or short. Arias, Arias is too good at shortstop to move, I think. He is a premium yeah. defender. You don't want to move him, but his arm could play in right field. His arm yeah. could play in center. He's an athletic player. Um, I'm trying to think who else... You're not going to move Jimenez. I mean, Rosario's already played some center. Whew. Hmm. It's tough. I, I mean, they're going to have to move <laughs> some of them. And I, I yeah. assume one of them will play third base, you know, if all of them are up at the same time. 
Yeah, I mean, depending on what happens with with Jose Ramirez, I could see Gabriel Arias playing third base if they yeah. have somebody else at shortstop long term. Um, I mean, Tyler Freeman probably could play left field if they really needed him to. Uh, obviously, his arm would be good. Would be fine out there. It's his non throwing arm that he's having issues with with the the um, the labrum. Yeah. The, yeah, the labrum. So I could see that. I'm just kind of looking at our prospect list. Uh, okay, so Jose Tana plays a lot of shortstop right now. He could play shortstop, but he can play anywhere. I could say Jose Tana could play second or third, and maybe that's my answer. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't move Brian Rocchio off of shortstop either. It's crazy. Like, you just assumed a lot of these guys would move long-term. They wouldn't stick. But, I mean, Freeman's going to play. could be a good second baseman. Rocchio and, and, and Arias could play a good short. Palacios has already moved to the outfield, kind of. And uh, Aaron Bracho has played some third base. So I would say he's going to be a third baseman long-term. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe that's like cop out. Gabriel Rodriguez could play third, uh, but the upper levels, Owen Miller, I, I don't know. The whole thing's crazy. These guys have, have remained on the infield a lot longer than I thought they would. It's, it's, yeah. or have been better. It's truly crazy. Um, all right, let's let's get to the player of the week pick so we can wrap this thing up. We're actually doing pretty good on time for a change. I don't know if it's <laughs> the time we're doing it or what's going on, but uh, for once we're good on time. So last week I we had uh, Stacy and Jacob on, so it's a, a tough pick between three different uh, sets of picks. Um, Caleb, so you're going to have to decide. I took yeah. Tanner Burns and Gabriel Rodriguez. Tanner Burns, two and two-thirds innings. Uh, three runs, three walks, five strikeouts. Gabriel Rodriguez hit a buck forty-three and twenty-one at bats. So we can just go ahead and cross my name off the list now, and <laughs> you can go with either uh, Stacy's pick of Stephen Kwan and Logan T. Allen, where Stephen Kwan had another home run. He went eight for twenty-four. He had five RBIs, three doubles, and two strikeouts and two walks. And Logan T. Allen had five innings in his start with four hits, two earned runs, a walk, and eight strikeouts. Or Jacob, who picked Richie Palacios, who didn't have a ton of hits. He had three doubles. I'm sorry, two doubles and three hits overall. Um, but he did walk six times when we struck out three. And Jacob picked Kurt McCarty, who had five innings pitched, uh, four earned runs and five strikeouts. So who took last week's battle? Yeah, it looks like it's going to be Stacey. Her her, uh, her first uh, appearance on the pod, getting the win. Good job, good job by Stacy. Obviously, sticking with the Akron guys was definitely the right move. Um, yeah, Stephen Kwan, like we've talked about, has been has been awesome, and Logan T. Allen just you know we haven't even talked about him in this episode, and he's just been awesome <laughs> the entire season. You know, so that's just just this the status of the Cleveland system. There's so much to talk about that we didn't even talk about. One of the more exciting stories of the entire season. Yeah, I talk about Cody Morris being an option for Cleveland later this year or or maybe in 2022. Logan T. Allen, also a 2022 option the way he's pitched, even though he's not 40-man el- or Rule 5 eligible, but um, certainly pitches way in the conversation. Definitely agree with your pick there. So that means I got five wins on the year. Um, you, Willie, Jacob, Joe, Stacy, and Pat um, as a group now have one, two, three, four, five, six. So... As a collective group, you guys have me six to five. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. All pretty right, good I'll, for I'll extend the lead this week, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, who who are you going with this week? I I think your picks are uh, primed to push me back in the standings further. Who do you got? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with uh, my guy Cody Morris. Uh, you know, maybe they stretch him out. If not, I'll take four no hit innings of five plus Ks. <laughs> um, that that's that should be. A good start, no matter, no matter really what happens with his any count. Of course, if he goes to Cleveland, then my pick will just be in in the trash. But uh, and then I'm going to stick with uh, an Akron guy with with Brian Rocchio. He's obviously just been a a really productive presence in that lineup since since getting there. And uh, they have a they have a favorable matchup this week. I believe they're getting uh, Harrisburg at home, and Harrisburg Oof. has is in last place in the AA Northeast Southwest division. So so what you're telling me is watch a lot of Akron Rubber Ducks this week. Is that that's a home game too. So good cameras. Yeah, I was watching Akron. I they weren't were they at Reading last week, I think. Is that where they were? I believe so. Yeah, they were in Reading last week. They're 
their camera is terrible. It's uh, okay. So their their third and first base cameras are good, but their camera from center field is like <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening. I don't I don't know why like two cameras are like really good quality and the, and their main camera is it's, awful. <laughs> it's probably just from where it's perched. They probably have like the same three cameras and the the two on the uh, what do you call it are just that much closer. And I think yeah. that's why like. Sometimes Akron, like their camera's pretty good. You know, you can see the game well, but it's it's noticeably weaker than the other ones, and that's just the distance away from from the uh, you know what they're actually being, you know, sh- when are they actually shooting? Yeah, I think if you're going to spend the money to invest in MILB TV in your at your team's uh, level, you just go all in and make it as good as it can be. Don't oh, don't yeah. half. You don't half-ass it. <laughs> don't half-ass anything in life is what I would say. Yeah. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna go with you with some Akron guys. Maybe this will work out good for me. Um, I'm going to take Peyton Battenfield for the first time all year. Uh, I liked his last outing, and now that you mentioned they're playing Harrisburg, I feel good about that. And I'm going to take Brian Lavastida because, shameless plug, um, I talked to Brian Lavastida last week, and he's, he's doing really well, but he was a fun interview, and um, I like his background. You know, he's... Uh, his parents are from Cuba. He's a bilingual guy, and he that's, that's, that's important for a catcher, uh, hitting for a lot of power. His defense has come on this year, and he's forty man, or he's rule five eligible, and I think he'll be added to the forty man for sure. So those are my picks. Go read my Brian Lavastida story. That's up on IBI. Uh, Caleb, I, this is the part of the show where I would ask you what's coming up. What are you working on? But um, <laughs> I know what you're working on. It's not any IBI stuff, unfortunately. But yeah. Um, I guess I'll just take the time again to say thank you for all your, your contributions this year. And uh, as I said on Twitter, man, you, you came in and you picked it up like the first week, like you had been doing this for years and uh, just really fun to work with. Good getting to know you. And I, I'm, I'm sure we'll stay in touch, but um, definitely appreciate all your contributions. Like I said before, I knew, I knew you and you and Matt both, I yeah. knew you guys would not be here long. You would end up with jobs in your field and they'd be well-deserved. So. It yeah, was, I appreciate it. Was a pleasure it. Yeah. working with you, though. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, couldn't have asked for a better summer internship uh, as I work for my master's. So, you know, got to watch some some future future guardians, yeah. and uh, and uh, we did, yeah was able to to work towards my master's. So, really, couldn't have asked for for a better better gig there. And uh, yeah, I mean, unless anybody's a Susquehanna Riverhawk fan. Uh, you probably don't want to be following too much on Twitter. I, I'll I'll make sure to tweet out my opinions if you guys ever have any questions. But uh, and, and you know whatever I see, uh, you know, and then I'm I'm helping out over at Locked On Indians now, so you can always check my work out over there. But uh, yeah, it'll be a little more low key for me than than over this last summer. We'll still shout you out on Twitter. Yeah, listen to Locked On Indians with uh, Jeff and Caleb and Pat. Pretty much what is it? Five days a week, six days a week at this point. Yep. Yeah, five days a week. <clears throat> You know your team every day. That's the lockdown slogan. So usually I'm on Sunday helping out with Jeff, and uh, Pat usually goes on on Tuesday night. So um, and then the episode come up the next day. So yeah, you know if you if you're feeding for your Indians content, there we got episodes every day. So make sure to check us out over over at Lockdown Indians. Yep, I listen every day. I listen to you guys uh, this morning while I was at my day job. Jeff is a, a longtime friend and uh, a friend of IBI, obviously a former writer at IBI as well. So mm-hmm. um, definitely check those guys out over there. Um, yeah, read my Brian Lavastida piece. We've got uh, the new prospect rankings up at IBI. Uh, we've ranked 75 prospects. I don't know what's wrong with us. We're just, <laughs> I don't know. Joe, Joe said he wanted to rank 100. And I said, well, anything after 75, you are on your own. I'm yeah, I might be insane, so he- but I'm, I'm not out of my mind completely. Um, so Check those out. We'll have some blurbs on on why the rankings changed and and you know how the sauce was made a little bit coming up soon. And yeah, check out more coverage. If Akron, we, we will have a new Akron writer uh, this week. I'll let you know who that is. We do have someone who's going to help us out the rest of the year and hopefully be there for some playoff games if Akron makes it. Awesome. And yeah, hopefully like it. Lake County's got some too, and uh, Columbus and Lynchburg. Their seasons are going to end relatively soon. We'll have a little bit yeah. less to talk about, but we'll always fit it in. So absolutely, yeah. Follow Caleb uh, if you're like he said. If you're a Susquehanna <laughs> Riverhawks fan, great name. Yeah. Uh, the Riverhawks follow Caleb Phillips with one uh, L eight on Twitter. 
Uh, you can follow me at jail underscore baseball, and you can follow the IBI account at official underscore IBI. And you can always be a subscriber as well at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Thanks for listening, Caleb. Thanks again. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Wow. <laughs>